Imagine you live in Capernaum, a small town on the Sea of Galilee. Today is a big day because Jesus is in town, and he actually accepted your offer to stay at your house. Soon after Jesus arrived, word spread like wildfire, and now everyone is crammed in and around your house. You're trying to listen to Jesus teach, but you're distracted by a small scratching noise. Suddenly, something hits you on the head, and you look up just in time for more dirt and clay to smack you in the face. Ow. You exclaim, someone is digging a hole in my roof. Jesus stops teaching and peers up at your ceiling. Someone's head appears in the new hole in your roof, and then three other people appear. You can't believe these crazy people have torn a hole in your roof, but Jesus doesn't seem phased a bit. He patiently waits as they lower someone to the ground. It looks like their friend can't walk. Jesus looks up at the crazy people and then down at the paralyzed man on the floor. He says, My child, your sins are forgiven. You notice the Pharisees' faces darken and hear the word blasphemy float over to your ears. That's not good. Sensing their anger, Jesus turns to the Pharisees and says, Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? You watch in disbelief as Jesus turns to the paralyzed man lying on your floor, reaches out his hand, and says loudly, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. I'm Pastor Michael, and this is Chicken and Waffles, the Bible podcast for preteens where learning and obeying God's Word produces preteens that are unique and unforgettable, just like chicken and waffles. Hey preteens, Pastor Michael here. Welcome back. I'm so glad you're here for episode two. What a fascinating account from Mark chapter two. Now, if you're at your house, I want you to look up and imagine someone is digging through your ceiling. That is pretty crazy. Now, let's see if we can take a few minutes and figure out all of what this passage is all about. So, what are our two questions that we ask? What does it mean? And what should I do? Now, I'm going to start off with this by telling you a story about when I got completely caught off guard by something. I was with a group of my friends, and we were playing football in the quad at the university I was going to at that point. Now, a quad is kind of like, uh, it's a grassy area that has sidewalks and benches and all of that, and it's where college students love to hang out. And so we were playing football, and my team had lined up, and our quarterback said, hut, and I took off. And I went out, I was going out long for a pass, and I was looking over my shoulder for the pass. He didn't throw it to me. But as I turned my head right back around, I ran into a light pole. Yes, I didn't even see it. And I hit it so hard I fell flat on the ground, and to this day, I, I think that the light on top of that, that light pole is crooked, right? Because I hit it full on running, and it knocked me down flat. 
So in Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, Jesus is teaching in Capernaum, and he said something that knocked everyone flat. Now, what's the the context here? As he was teaching in a crowded house, four desperate people climbed up onto the roof of a house because they couldn't get to Jesus. Then they dug a hole in the roof, and then they let down their paralyzed friend down in front of Jesus. So let's find out, what did Jesus say that was so surprising? So, Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 4. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. So when Jesus said, your sins are forgiven, it was basically like a slap in the face of those religious leaders and probably everybody in that house. Because by telling the paralyzed man that his sins were forgiven, now this is the key part, Jesus was claiming to be God. And so the Pharisees accused him of blasphemy. And blasphemy is basically showing great contempt toward God, and this was a serious charge, and their law said that anyone guilty of blasphemy should be stoned to death. Now, I'll go ahead and tell you, being stoned to death is not a pleasant way to die. That either entailed people circling you up and throwing rocks at you until you're dead, or they would push you off a cliff and roll a huge stone on top of you. Not a pleasant way to go. That's how serious this was. Now, that seems like a big deal, but let's see how Jesus responded to them. Let's keep going, okay? So, verse 8. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So, he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven? Or, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. So, I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We have never seen anything like this before. So Jesus could go around all day long and declare that people's sins were forgiven, right? He could walk down the street and be like, hey, your sins are forgiven. Hey, look at you. Your sins are forgiven. Hey, you all the way down there. Your sins are forgiven. He could do that all day long and nobody could prove any different. However, if he commanded a paralyzed man to stand up and walk, now that was something people could see... Hey, could he really do that or not? Did his words really have any power? It's almost like he was talking to a group of preteens, right? Because you guys don't accept things at face value. You're always saying, prove it. So Jesus was like, I'm going to prove to you that I have the authority to forgive sins. So he turned to the paralyzed man and he told him to stand up and walk And he did. And it says that the crowd was amazed. How would you have responded if you were there? 
I know I would have been completely flabbergasted, right? You know, this man who couldn't walk and then suddenly was able to stand up and walk out through the crowd. You know, they couldn't get him in when he was paralyzed, but you can ensure that they parted for him and he walked right out of there. So what is our big idea? What does this passage mean? Jesus has the authority and ability to forgive my sins. Right? That's what I want you to remember from this passage is that Jesus has the authority and ability to forgive my sins. All right, so if that's what it means, what's our next question? What should I do? So what should you do with this, preteens? Now, Jesus came to earth for one reason. He didn't come to be a good teacher, to be nice to people, or to do cool miracles. Those, but those are all true, but that's not why he came. He came so that you could have a relationship with God. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross for you and your sins and defeated sin and death three days later because you can't be nice enough. You can't earn enough A's. You can't go to church enough to earn your way into heaven. And Jesus knew that. And so he came and he earned that for you. If you've never repented of your sins and made Jesus your Lord and Savior, that's what I want you to do based upon this passage. Is that you understand that you are separated from God because of your sin and that the only way for you to have a relationship with God and to be able to go to heaven at the end of your life is to repent of your sins and make Jesus your Lord and your Savior. But how do you do that? First... You've got to admit that you're a sinner. And I want you to imagine, you know, raise your hand there, because how many of you have done the wrong thing, right? I'm raising my hand right now, because Romans 3.23 says, For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. And you know what God's glorious standard is? Perfection. Because He's perfect, and we're not. You've done the wrong thing, and I've done the wrong thing. And so we are separated from God. And so first, you've got to admit that you are a sinner. But the second thing you've got to do is you've got to repent of that sin, right? And that means you've got to turn around. Say you're walking in one direction, and in that direction you're choosing to lie and cheat and be mean to other people, all of that. But if you repent, you tell God that you're sorry for what you've done, then you turn your back to the direction you're going and you walk in the other way. You know, in Acts 2.38, Peter said, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. So you've got to turn around from your sin and go toward God. So first you admit that you're a sinner. You raise your hand. Second, you repent of your sin. You turn around. You turn away from your sin. And then last of all, you submit to Jesus as your Lord. And I want you to picture bending your knee as if you were kneeling before a king, right? Romans 10.9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. See, when you submit to Jesus as your Lord, you're saying, God, I no longer want to be in charge. I want you to be in charge. Now, I'm betting outside of church, you may not use the word Lord very often. But what's a, what's a word that you might be familiar with? Boss, right? A boss is the one in charge. You don't get to tell the boss what to do. The boss tells you what to do. And that's what it means to submit to Jesus as your Lord. So that's all you've got to do. You tell God, hey, I've done the wrong thing. I am sorry for doing all of those things. And then I want to follow your ways from now on and live my life for you. 
that's what it means to make Jesus your Lord and your Savior. And we see in our, our episode today that Jesus has the authority and ability to forgive you of your sin. Nobody else does, only Him. And if you've never made this decision before, then I want you to talk with your parents today and ask them to help you pray and ask Jesus to forgive you so that you can then follow Him the rest of your life. Remember, you can't be good enough. doesn't matter if you've gone to church every week of your life. You have sinned before God and you are separated from Him. So will you make the choice today to admit that you're a sinner, repent of your sin, and submit to Jesus? I've really loved being with you today, and we are already through two chapters of Mark. Now, before our next episode, I want you to read Mark chapter 3. Remember, we're just going straight through the Bible, right? And so read Mark chapter 3, and then pick a section of verses that jump out at you. And in your journal, I want you to answer our two chicken and waffle questions, right? What does it mean, and what should I do? And we're going to talk about Mark chapter 3 next time. Hey, thank you for joining me for our second episode of Chicken and Waffles, the Bible podcast for preteens. Remember, every time you learn and obey God's Word, you're becoming unique and unforgettable, just like chicken and waffles. I'll see you next time.